Hello, friend. We are here to talk about the season finale of Mr. Robot. That's season three, episode 10. Shutdown.r. Join us. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. We are here to talk about Mr. Robot. We're feeling like criminals here. Oh, yes. It's the season finale. We're loud. We're live. And we're, we're ready. Ha- the OGs are in the house. OG panel members. I'm your host, Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. Mr. J.C. Rubio's in the house. And we're all just brave travelers coming <laughs> home. What's up, chat roll? What's up, fans? It's J.C. Follow me at J.C. Rubio TV on Instagram and the Twitter. And... Big shout out to our co-host Leslie, who could not be here this Ooh, week. It's holiday travels. It uh. makes this all very difficult. But we're not alone. No. And correct me, but I heard a little dude to do that we have someone else joining us here. What? Do we really? Did she call? She's I heard a dude to do. I'm pretty sure she called. She's at Hello Friend. Guys, we have a very special guest on the phone with us live. If you're part of the Mr. Robot community, you will know exactly who I'm talking about. She dominates Twitter. She's got incredible information. We know, I know her as Akira, but the world knows her as Hello Friend One. She's one of the biggest insiders, and I'm telling you, this is an awesome opportunity. We're going to fire questions with her. She's going to join the conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Akira, Hello Friend One. What's up, girl? Hey, how are you? Hey, we're great. Thank you so much for joining us. This, no, no problem at all. Yeah, we just did this on the fly. We're like, we need the voice of reason. True. Because you and I might not be the voice of reason no, tonight. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, I've been um, communicating with JC um, for a good, what, how many seasons now? Two seasons. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we've been talking about um, trying to um, either come in in person or get on the phone um so yeah so he just uh check uh text me a few minutes ago like hey are you free and i'm like uh wait when are you guys are recording like oh right now and i'm like oh okay i mean i'm up so yeah now quickly just to bring everyone up to speed that they're not familiar with exactly what you do tell us what you do on the interwebs for mr robot uh, well, I run, um, as you guys said, I run Hello Friend. Um, it's a Mr. Robot fan community. Uh, it kind of started um, as an inside, like, you know, discussion between myself and some other uh, Mr. Robot fans. And they were just, um, you know, like, you know, I'm talking about the show and everything. And they were just, you know, you should really probably think about starting up um, some type of fan community or, or anything but, um, based off of the conversations that we would have about it. And uh, first, I'm kind of thinking, wait, me? Like, could I really pull this off? Um, so, talking to one of my um, one of my good friends who runs a fan community of her of her own, um, getting some advice, she said, "Yeah, sure, of course. If anybody if anybody should be doing it, it should be you." So, I just took the plunge, um, started the Twitter account, and then um, over two weeks, built the um, put the website together. And funny enough, on a couple of cast, uh, members' birthdays who are, uh, are affiliated with the robot um, at the website went live, and I've been running it pretty much since then. Um, pretty much kind of a one-woman show. And you're pretty um, much like 365 days a year. 
you're everyday. You are, she's definitely. tweeting, I, retweeting. I don't take any breaks during the off season. I'm, you know, finding any kind of reason to tweet or um, update the website. Yeah, just anything to kind of keep uh, the fandom going. As we, as a lot of people patiently, patiently try to play <laughs> for the new seasons to come up. Okay, well, Akira, this is why we have you here. So we're basically going to break down the episode mm-hmm. and just talk about our initial thoughts and what we all thought about the episode overall and dive into it. Yeah, so... We'll start with you. What what did you feel about season three as a whole? Uh, season three. Uh, from the premiere, I knew I well, like leading up to the leading up to the premiere, because it started this season started in the fall and we're so used to it happening over the summer. So some people were in their feelings about that a little bit. And I was just, you know, t- going on Twitter saying, guys, be patient. You know, it's going to be worth it. I promise you. <laughs> and of course, I hadn't seen anything anything that was going on in the news i'm pretty much reading everything at the same time as it goes live so and also just uh, you know getting a feel for sam and how he works with the show and mm-hmm. everything and i was just i think you know, like there's there's usually always a payoff that they guarantee the fans so i just said be patient it'll be worth the wait and um leading up to leading up to the premiere when i saw the premiere because uh, I went up to New York uh, for the e-coin party, mm. and uh, we, and as you know, we uh, they uh, they played the premiere there. Um, so I saw it, and I was just <laughs> okay. Like to say it was worth the wait is one thing. To actually see the premiere a little bit ahead of time, and nice. have it completely like destroy any expectations, but in a good way. And that e-coin um, party. Just, yeah, guys, I promise I said it was worth the wait. Trust me. It's going to be worth the wait and the season just delivered hands down. Well, then let's just let's yeah. dive, let's dive into it. So, let's break down the test. So, here at Afterbus TV, I like to start where the episode ends. So, we're actually going to start on Fernando Vera and that end scene. I'm yeah. so excited <laughs> Because that's the most left field you can do because they tied up so many ends on this physical episode. Okay. The, the, that's looking at it on paper. That's the only place they could have actually gone. That said, I was still shocked. Yeah, still shocked. Okay, I, I just had a feeling. You knew he was coming back. You knew he had to come back because everything's tied in. Because we're yeah, going to yeah. get into it. Because there's a few little nuggets that when we break down the episode, that everything has a purpose. There's nothing. There's never going to be a loose end on this show. Mm-hmm. And Vera is just another example of this. That's you true. Knew he was going to come back. The brave traveler is back. And from what we know, he's going to play a major part of season four this is he has to yes no he is he is i, I believe a, i think sam esmo uh, spoke about that in an interview that he is going to be have a major arc for season four so he's could be the that new foible for that new villain new but old villain for elliot so that's now akira any thoughts on that seeing vera back huh, well seeing vera back i mean vera i think like you've been saying he's kind of one of those characters who's always been in the back of your mind uh, especially given the way that he um, that he left um, in season one, um, so you're just kind of wondering, okay, is it possible that um, they could find a way for certain characters to come back? Because I mean, the, all of the characters, um, no matter what role they they're, they're well, no matter what role there is in, in um, a character, I always say with Mr. Robot, there's no such thing as a small role on this show because even <laughs> someone like Hamburger Guy has a you know has such a purpose for this story um but yeah but vera has always been um 
um, kind of, yeah, as you said, a big foil for um, robot, I mean, for robot, for Elliot, mm-hmm. um, but especially with his mental psyche and everything. And considering what happened with Shayla, um, he ended up taking the one person that we've seen him develop a relationship with and a close connection with. So um, he's definitely, so there's definitely still some loose ends there. And I really can't wait to see how they're going to how they're going to have that play out for us. And that ties in. It's those little, little nudges that Esme will give you throughout the series. And he did it even in the Uh open of the episode where the DA, you know, Dark Army breaks into his apartment and he's Mm -hmm. hiding at his one place of solace now, which is Shayla's. Yeah. And now it's no longer a secret because Vera knows that, knows Sheila's place. She knows, he knows Elliot's relationship with Shayla. So that's gone as well. Those little nuggets, you know what I'm saying? Just those little mm-hmm. breadcrumbs there. Everything's connected. Every, every single thing is connected. I'm telling you. I'm no, tell- I can't wait. Yeah, go ahead. We're going to have a dedicated predictions time, but there's a lot of talk in our chat. Okay. Do we think he's DA? Do we think he's Dark Army? Or do we think he's independent? I think he's independent. Uh, yeah, I think he's, a, I think, I want to say he's independent because um, I think that it would be interesting to have Elliot have um, kind of two polar, I guess you could say polar opposites that he's um, going to have to fight against. Mm-hmm. Um, so White Rose is one entity and that's a whole, and the Dark Army is a whole um, craziness on its own. Um, and then you add Vera to the mix. So it's really, really, really interesting. But definitely with season three, um, there were a lot of um, references to season one, even throughout the whole, even throughout the whole season, there were many instances where um, points of season three mirrored what what went on in season one, and um, yeah, but I want to I want to say that Vera's probably uh, independent of Dark Army. I agree with both of you guys. I think he's independent, but I, I'm going to go a step further. I think in the end he will be part of Elliot's team. Really? Yeah, I think hmm. because there's there is a remember there's always been a bond with them. There's always been a connection with them. I don't know what way, what form, but somehow I think he will be Team Elliot. Really? Don't ask me. I'm yeah, just well, throwing he, that. Well, he still never got that hug, so <laughs> he still wants to get that hug. He really wants the hug. Okay, so moving on next with what we're. I'm I'm just gonna talk about, and I'm pretty much just gonna like end on the barn, big blow up at the barn. So we're going to move on to Elliot and Mr. Robot specifically. Okay. Them working together, them having that scene on the Ferris wheel, and them really trying to, like, try to... Because they're essentially reconnecting in a way that they haven't reconnected with each other since, I think, the end of season one. Yeah. Like, pretty much, like, this is the first time we've gotten a... They both cognizantly realize that they're the same person and they have to work together. And they said that throughout the whole episode. And but the interesting part of that whole of the whole episode was that this time it seemed like Elliot was the one in the power position. Yeah, and I saw that very much. I think this this episode more than any other episode was Elliot's moment. It's that, that almost like that turning point. Like we're saying, the first three seasons are almost like a trilogy in a sense. Mm. Now we're almost we're back to you know square one, but with new information now. You know, Elliot's in a new place now. He was he learned about forgiving, starting to forgive himself mm-hmm. because he had that conversation with Mr. Robot about did you know about the buildings? And in essence, he was indicting his own his himself. And the fact that you know Mr. Robot said no, you know I, I wouldn't have done this if I would have known that it would have caused the seventy one buildings to yes. And, and in a great way, I think that was a relief for Elliot because Elliot is always blaming himself. He's the cause of everything. Mm-hmm. It's his fault for everything. But it was refreshing for me to see that, that now it's – that that part of him didn't want that destruction to happen. 
You know, because he's always afraid of his true darkness. Elliot has myth. Yeah. And so and, the, and yeah. he also thinks that Mr. Robot is the manifestation of his true darkness. So it's probably very relieving to understand that the manifestation of your absolute truest, darkest self is like, no, I wouldn't let 71 buildings explode. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. That's... Yeah. And then also, I, I mean, again, going um, and saying that uh, season, there were moments of season three that mirrored some parts of season one, even back to uh season one in the episode uh, one of the episodes where robots saying oh you know that one building we're gonna blow it up and elliot's just okay nope not part of this leave me out of this mm-hmm. and moving on um and then later on in that season we um the whole plan changed and they ended up uh using the um uh using the heating and air conditioning to uh raise the temperature and just um erase those documents um erase <laughs> all those files so we've even seen we've even seen then that robot will eventually say, oh, well, if Elliot fights hard enough, then it's okay, we'll find another way. Um, but yeah, but even then, even back in season two, when they were battling against each other, it's just, you know, Elliot, you're going to have to realize that you too, that you need him just as much as he needs you. So it was hoping that they were going to find some kind of common, bat, you know, some common ground here at the end. So I think that we started to see it. Um, I don't think that it's 100% there yet, but we are, um, again, starting to starting to develop that integration, I guess, between the two of them, you could say. Perfect word, because that's, what, that's how Esmail describes season four. They, they asked Sam Esmail, how would you describe in one word season four? And he said integration. Mm. So, I, so now we see it. It's, so it's, it's, it's the Green that. Hulk. They went from the Gray Hulk to the Green Hulk. <laughs> pretty I think. much. Pretty much. <laughs> I've, I've always kind of been comparing Elliot and Mr. Robot this entire time yeah, to, that's right. to where they are. Like, you can say Jekyll and Hyde, but... We sadly we live in a world where mo- more people will get the reference to the Hulk than Jekyll and Hyde. We you just got to yeah. go with the people, and he, he was Gray Hulk up until about now, and they're, they're they're the Green Hulk that they can pretty much switch in between each other and work together, understanding that there's two different entities that are the same vessel. That that's great. No, no I, I agree, hundred yeah. percent. So moving on from there, so where are we going from here? Do we want to talk about? Are we going to the barn, or are we st- are we still holding off? We're still holding off on the barn. I want the barn. I know you want to go to the barn. <laughs> Sorry. But we do have to talk about history's critically acclaimed series, Vikings, which Ooh. premiered with a two-hour, which had a two-hour season premiere on Wednesday, November 29th. Season five began with Ivar the Boneless asserting his leadership over the great heathen army. While the Gertha reigns as queen of Kattegat, Ivar's murder of his brother Sigurd sets the stage for a vicious battle to come as Ragnar's sons plot their next moves after avenging their father's death. Bjorn follows his destiny into the Mediterranean Sea, and Floki, who is suffering from the loss of his wife Helga, takes to the sea, submitting himself to the will of the gods. This season is full of startling alliances and unbelievable betrayals as the Vikings fight to rule the world. Vikings on history. Nice. Love it. Now we can get an Angela and Price. Yeah. Oh. We're, get, we're getting closer yeah. to the barn. We, now we can get closer <sighs> right, to the barn. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> okay, so... Okay, so are we going to go there? Empire Strikes Back? Sure. All right. I, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure you can find tape of me saying that this was going to happen. This I this do. always felt like a possibility. Let's. I like how they did this. Do you, okay. I think it made sense. It? I. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Definitely. Um. I remember. Um. Um. Even from the first couple of the first time that they that uh, the two characters interacted all the way back in season one. And again, a lot of people were wondering then, okay, what was his deal with her? 
And the more we started to see uh, the more interactions between the two of them in season two, again, people were just, what is the interest between, uh, between that he has on her? And I remember reading at one point they were, because um, a lot of people were thinking, you know, kind of referencing Lolita a lot and thinking mm. that there may be some sort of sexual type of interaction <laughs> between the two of them. And I remember reading at one point they did have that, but they decided mm. against it. Um, and then again, like looking back, like looking back on it now in hindsight, um, definitely, um, think that the way, think that the direction that they went in plays a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. and then also, um, remembering back, uh, that Sam has said so many times that there was something back in season one mm-hmm. that, um, nobody had figured out yet. So I was like, okay, was that the one thing? Do we think that, that, that... like... That has to be. Well, I'm thinking there was specifically a scene with Price and Angela's father. Angela's Mm -hmm. born, lived with father. Mm -hmm. That they were in a room together before Angela came down to to greet them. So I don't know if this is the one thing Sam Esmel is referencing, but I do think there had to have been a conversation between Price and that father of, just so you know, just because like he's essentially in that moment the gatekeeper to who gets to talk to his daughter. So it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for Price to pretty much, just so all the cards are on the table, I'm this person. You can tell her if you'd like right. to tell her. I think it fits my plan better that you don't. I do a decent price. I, I, you see. <laughs> no, no, but okay. <laughs> with the thing is, I think I was having this chat with one of the fans. Actually, I how long? The, to me, this was probably the most telegraphed mood out of the whole episode. For me, I, it wasn't a big shock. Uh-huh. And especially with the building. No, we, not really. We spoke about it last well, week. Well, also because... Oh, sorry. Well, also, uh, re- uh, going through Reddit, um, yeah, a lot of people were theor- um, just uh, theorizing, okay, yeah, he's her father. So when the reveal came to us, kind of like, okay. Um, Dude, here's a question for both yeah. of you guys. You know, we go down that rab- you know Reddit rabbit hole more than just about anybody. I Big live fan. There. I have a timeshare down there. But <laughs> do you think it kind of takes away from our experience? Because I, it lets- I watched the show with my girlfriend, and mm-hmm. she's seen every single episode. But every single, like the reveals, they hit her. She's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that. And I'm like, come on. How do she? And she's like, I don't spend half my day on Reddit. Well, and I'm like, damn. I can't speak to people who don't spend half their day on Reddit because I'm not one of those people. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I'm not one of, I'm, I spend more than half my day on Reddit. So I'm kind of. You're a Redditor, I know. But like, realistically, this is a show with such depth that ultimately the characters are so well written that whether we're expecting it or not, like the big reveals still resonate and the deaths and the the deaths and the turns still work because it's about the characters and the story and the emotions. However, this show has so much depth that there's that Reddit, that Reddit, that subreddit, which by the way, half the time is completely bonkers. Oh yeah. You got to see some of the permissions. uh, uh, I mean, some of the predictions, I believe it was Ryan and Dillo and I had over the last few weeks. I've been seeing Ryan Dillo also, Ryan Dillo man also in our chat. I'm with you, my my brother. That like just, and I think we're at a point where I think we should use the Wayback machine or I'm sure you can find the archive posts that if you read through, if you read through like season one, episode nine, or like before the, before the initial like robot reveal, uh-huh. If you read through what that subreddit must have looked like before that reveal, I think most of what everyone's saying would be like completely laughable. And I think that's part of the fun. Yeah. Th- like we only 
everyone points back to the one commenter on Reddit who predicted the How I Met Your Mother thing and, like, got downvoted to hell. Like, three seasons early and got downvoted to hell. Okay. But, like, sometimes it's whatever that, like, one of these people is just bound to be right. And I think Dan Harmon once described Reddit and fans on the internet as a render farm. That your job's not to come up with the unthinkable twist. Your job's to come up with great characters and stories. Because the internet's going to figure you out. Mm. And I think even a show like this mm. is proof that the internet is going to figure you out. For Sam Asmel to say that like pretty much every plot, twist, turn in season one has been found out by the internet except for one. And he could be trolling us on that statement, knowing that we'll never find the one. We could have figured it all out. Oh, my God. But he just wants us to watch it again because mm. he gets that money if we watch it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> buy the DVD box set after it's, after it's done. Yeah, yeah, like buy the DVD box set so you can <laughs> you can scan it for clues and then make gifts and then post it on Reddit. And like that's... I'll totally buy it. <laughs> I would, too. But I think that's the added... The added excitement, especially because you're a part of a fan community. I think that's why shows like this on AfterBuzz do, like, networks like AfterBuzz do so well, too. I'm getting off topic. I'm not topic, but I was in a lift yesterday, and I was discussing this episode with someone, you know, yep. one of the writers. We were, like, so bonkers into it. And we talked about the barn, which is coming up in a few minutes. We're, we're getting to the barn. We're still talking about <laughs> Angela and Bryce. I want the barn. We're okay. going to the barn. I'm trying to segue his ass No one it, else wanted to go to the barn. <laughs> All right. Irving didn't want to go to the barn. Santiago <laughs> really didn't want to go to the barn. Dom, didn't, Dom really w- was. Dom and Darlene were like captive to go to that barn. Yeah. I guess Leon wanted to be at the barn. Yeah, Leon's the only one because he Leon was, was cool. Yeah, he was smoking his trees. Yeah, but all right. So are we there yet? We can get there. We're Steve, here. Steve, Steve, our lovely engineer. Can you pull up the picture I sent you? Okay, I've got a picture, mm-hmm. and this is kind of fascinating they're pulling it in the meantime let us discuss lee's favorite part of the season while he pulls up the picture was there Lee's any favorite part yeah because um, for, for me this season best season out of all three i and would we, that's a fair that's a fair assessment of this season this was a very good season how about you akira favorite season <sighs> if you had to pick one like a, because, like a child well, i would say overall that the seasons just get better and better um, so on that note, definitely, Ooh. I would say season three is probably my favorite. But um, but yeah, but I would find different things from each season that I love. Um, so yeah, I mean, with season one, it was just um, even from the pilot, just within the first two minutes of watching this show, you're just like, what is this show? And I am going to be watching this every week. Like there was just nothing like this on TV at all. Um, just getting into the characters and the storyline. Um so for that reason, and then also season two, which I know um, people was considered a polarizing season, but I really enjoyed being able to kind of slow things down a bit and get to know the characters a little bit more. Um, and then with season three, it was kind of a combination to me of both um, more character development and then also um, kind of this um, fast action of season one. So it was a nice blend between the two. So yeah, I would definitely say out of all of them, season three, definitely so far my favorite. Okay. Um, which will probably change when mm. a season four comes and comes and goes. I know. Oh my gosh! I, I love that you love season two. I am. I'm actually on the on on your team as well because I know a lot of people didn't like two, and mm. I think it was. Mm-hmm. I thought two was necessary to get us to three. Yeah, and, and I thought it definitely. was. I thought USA knew they had a critical darling on their hands, so they they kind of mm-hmm. milked it a little. And I don't. I'm sure if Sam Asmel had all of his druthers completely, season two wouldn't have been twelve episodes. 
Yeah, I think you get it trimmed a little bit of uh, just, just and not even I, call it fat, but like a little. I think ten episodes is the perfect length for something like this. Be, that it's uh, it's an event for ten weeks. Yeah, and it feels almost like you're on a ro- you're yeah. truly on a roller coaster. Season tw- uh, season two, yeah, you to me that felt very empirey, like Empire Strikes Back. Okay, it was yeah, just long, dark, and the but the thing is, what I liked about this, and I've learned. From season one, we, I used to get these comments. JC, you just trying to figure out what's going on. What's what's the end result? What's the end result? I've actually truly learned the the show is about the characters. It's not about sure we want to know what happens next. The plot, Washington Township, Washington Township. Yes, that's the only thing that's driving me batty. But truly, but I that's don't care. Sizzle. Yeah, but I don't. That's MacGuffin. Yeah, but I don't. What I don't care. What I, if at the end of season five, Elliot's running a lemonade stand, and that's where we end up, and I'm like. Well, shit! I enjoyed the ride. I enjoyed the f out of the ride, man. It probably takes Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying the SEO on that lemonade stand is probably ridiculous. Go on. Like it's probably the top rated Google Maps. Now put your and money Yelp. on Dash. Put your money on Dash. No, <laughs> I was say is though. But the beauty of it is, I really love the characters. I I am now. F- it's the characters. It's not the, the story. Yes, I need it, but the characters, man. I don't care what ha- I I I have. I, I love Elliot. This is weird. Yeah. I'm having like the biggest bromance yeah. right now. It's it just I truly love, love, love what I see. And I can say that more than any of my favorite shows of all time. This literally is probably my favorite show. And and I, unless Westworld can <laughs> take it out. But I, I, I it's literally my favorite show of all time. Uh, Westworld is. Yeah. Westworld's a show I, I question whether it can hold. Like, whereas, whereas Mr. Robot season one heading into season two, I was like, wow, this has so much momentum. I can't see how this could possibly do poorly mm-hmm. Westworld I feel a different way I okay. feel Westworld let a lot out in the season one that they, they feel like they don't have anywhere great to go alright we'll you get into tell it. we're stalling on a picture yeah, we're, st- <laughs> we're, we're doing to- a, we're having a great conversation well now Kira you, for the fans to know and just so we know as well wh- what's your handle on Twitter oh my handle on Twitter is um, H3LL0 F-R-I-3-N-D-1 yeah so so everyone knows go to go follow her I'm serious. When we're going through like, hello, um, friend with the threes. Hello, friend one. The threes are E's. Yes. Yeah. Good. When we're yeah. going through. I withdrawal. wasn't sure. Mr. Robot that. withdrawal. Yeah. Just, when you're going through Mr. Robot withdrawal, this is the place to I'm go. I'm telling you, every single freaking day, she's got a nugget for us. And what? It, anything you got for us that we haven't even talked about yet? Um. Yeah. What's been going on ever? Uh, pretty much started December 11th. Um. Sin addiction. Also on Twitter. Um, they, um, every year have, uh, SIN awards. Um, so these are, uh, it's something that, uh, they, that's voted on by the fans. Uh, the nominees have been, uh, released over the past couple of months and, uh, finalists and nominees came, nominations was, uh, complete, uh, right just before voting opened. So voting opened December 11th and Mr. Robot is currently up for five awards. They're up for best drama series, uh, best episode of the year for, um, for um, what's the episode? The, 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 <laughs> the single um, cam episode. No, I think it's gonna be the, the one after. Really? No, drawing of yeah, drawing of like no, it was six. the episode with uh, um, Angela handling the uh, hack and everything. Episode so, six. Um, runtime, runtime error, runtime error. That was the one. Mm-hmm. So episode of the year for runtime error. Um, Rami Malek is nominated for actor, uh, best performance by an actor. Bobby Cannavale is nominated for uh, best supporting actor in a drama series. And Sam Esmail is also nominated for Best Directing in TV. Uh, so, those sound yeah, like things so, um, they could all win this year. Yeah, so um, 
yeah, so people can uh, um, uh, click, uh, just click on to Sin Addiction and find the links to the polls to vote for it. Um, it's unlimited voting. Voting goes all the way from now until February 19th, and then they'll make the announcements on the 22nd. So, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely be re, uh, retweeting that link um, periodically. So, yeah, definitely go, you know, numb up your fingers, lose your fingers <laughs> for a bit. Nice. Got it. So we have this picture up. Yes. So the picture of the top picture. Yes. That is in the lobby of. It's outside of Christus office. Yes. It's outside of Christus, uh, Christus office. area of Christus office. I believe so. And this is because there's mm. a lot of things that I, I came across while doing the research for it. And it's of the uh, it's of three gentlemen entering a barn. Well, if you look at and this isn't from season one. Now in season three. Pretty much the same barn, and we have the three gentlemen making their way to the barn. So, there's, there's two a- ways to look at this. Okay. One, Esmel knew where he was going as early as season one. Which makes sense, because Irving seems to have been... There's no way you could have retconned Irving as well as they've actually made Irving. That it's clear it's clear he had an idea of Irving, at, Irving the cleaner for the Dark Army by at least the middle of season one. Mm-hmm. So it stands to reason he knows that there's a barn and a safe because the barn seems to be very closer in the same neighborhood as the safe house that that Tyrell was in most of this se- most of last season. So the the easy way to say it is that Sam Asmel is that many steps ahead that he puts a po- he puts a picture. The crazy way is the roundabout Mandela effects um, dual timeline. Craziness that I've espoused on this show more than on more than one occasion, and then the third way is just happy accidents, which seem less and less likely in this show. I didn't want us to get too bogged down with this because I know we got a we got a lot of show to cover. You wanted but, to go to the barn, okay? I wanted to go, <laughs> but I wanted to talk about the barn because then if you open on season one, Ron's coffee, there's a piece of artwork next to Ron's coffee, mm. and that same artwork shows up at the end of season two in the safe house. Where they were, where the Dark Army safe house. Yeah. As well. At Red Wheelbarrow, there's a mural of an axe inside a tree stump. So all this stuff is placed. It's all, it's, so oh, no, it's, this is all intentional. All of it's intentional. Even that painting. All of this. So now what we need to do is rewatch all three episodes, all three seasons, and look at every little detail. If we haven't seen it yet, we're going to see it in season four you or five. You got to on Prime, get that daily five nine. There you go. Got to get your e coins, got to get your yeah. e coin perks. I just, I, I just wanted to bring that up. But okay, let's dig into the barn. Okay, we're at the barn. <laughs> um, so, so where we leave them, where we left them last week was, Dom had Darlene in custody. Correct. After Darlene was kind of like it was, it, it felt necessary to us because we've been accustomed to Darlene. But like, if if somebody only watched last week, I don't think they would have been on Darlene's side at all. But moving forward. Dom now realizes that Santiago is has been flipped, has been working for the Dark Army this whole time. And Santiago's essentially taken Darlene probably to just get executed or dealt with to wherever the Dark Army is. Dom is afraid of Santiago. Santiago knocks her out, puts her in the car. They all go to the barn. And everybody else converges on this barn. Leon's at this barn. Irving gets called to like literally clean the whole situation from the barn. The gentleman whose name I'm forgetting... White Rose's associate Grant. Grant. Grant Hi, is Grant. at the barn. Yeah, you, you, Grant, you you're always talking to Grant, aren't you? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we're, uh, myself and the other ladies of uh, Unmasked Podcast, we're all uh, always having a chat with Grant. 
Um, even dating back to the uh, first episode of the season, we were just, uh, are you sure you want to be kind of questioning White Rose like that? Um, <laughs> you know, that might not be a good thing for you. Um, and then, of course, you know, we'll get to that eventually because we, uh, we are approaching the barn. Because there's so many boss moves here. First off, okay, when Irving had the axe, did, for, did you for a moment wonder where the axe was going to go? Was it going to go to – were you thinking for a moment Dom or Santiago? Um, we the, did. the screenwriter in me – and I think this is a problem I have watching all television sometimes. The screenwriter in me knows you have to save the cat. And if you're going to kill Dom, you have to kind of kill her off screen. Like, well, I know Walking Dead borders on this kind of don't save the cat, everyone's terrible thing. This isn't Walking Dead. No. That Dom, like, they, if they were to kill Dom, they wouldn't kill her in a way where Irving, someone we spent a lot of time with, would do it. Because then we would turn on Irving, and that seems unlikely. So, once again, this is a screenwriter, spends way too much time on Reddit person watching a show and just has trouble enjoying a show. But they... I think they also make this show for a lot of people, including people like me, and they let it linger enough that even I was convinced he might just kill her. And like, cause also there's two ways. The screenwriting way is one, save the cat, have your lead character stay alive, but two, write what no one would expect and then figure out how you write your way out of it. Mm-hmm. So in that, mi- in, in that part of my mind, I'm like, I could see Irving just kill Dom as as an extra shot, like I could see that be, I could see that page existing in Sam Asmel's head or on his computer as what happens if Irvin kills Dom? Where do we go from there? Right. What does that all mean? That it's not outside the realm of possibility. And that's, that's a good TV show where I'm like, he might. Okay. 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 I just, I, I I'm glad he, I, it would have been, I think it would have been a horrible trope because of what happened last week. We, what we spoke about with, you know, Darlene and yeah. Dom and now seeing this happen, I think it would have been a, a terrible trope. Oh, they, they, they got together. So you kill the character. You've seen, I've seen that happen in so many TV series in the back. when like when same sex get together. That is actually a trope on television that I'm not. I, I've never heard of until right this second. But you're right; that happens all the time. <laughs> okay, but, but I've just never thought about it that way. I've, no yeah, one's ever pointed that trope out. Yeah, to it's me it's weird like that. So I'm glad it didn't go that way. And more so, what I enjoyed the most out of all of it is Irving. Irving was stellar, and you sent me a DM about this that I was going to love the episode. And I wonder if this is what you meant because Irving yeah. was just a boss. Yeah, I got a boss. Yep. The yeah. guy was. Are you kidding me? Bobby Cannavale, excuse, uh, Emmy, maybe? Another one? Like, why not? Yeah. I just... Yeah. What does he have yeah, on White Rose? Definitely. That's my question. What does Irving have on White Rose because he can come and go as he pleases? I... Loyalty. Like, time served. I don't think... I don't think White Rose has... Or I don't think... I don't think Irving actually has anything on White Rose because if he did, he'd probably use it to get out of this... Like, to get out of whatever maze he's in. Like, whatever control... Because I think White Rose still has control over him. Right. But I think he's earned a level of autonomy under White Rose. So I what don't, was it that did it? I think it was just time. But I think it was loyalty and time that he didn't do what Grant did. He made good decisions, con- consistently made good decisions that White Rose eventually asked, what do you want out of this relationship? And he said, I don't want to be Grant. I don't want to be at your beck and call. I don't want to be... I, I think I'd, I'd be best served if you got another assist, another right-hand man... And you used me in a position where I come in when the mess is so bad. Because if you really, really trust me, you should only use me when you absolutely need me and you should have somebody else. So he's the Harvey Keitel, basically. Pretty much. Like, but if the Harvey Keitel 
if the Harvey if the the wolf served under Marcellus Wallace for like ten years, mm-hmm. that it's just like I'm your most trusted confidant. I don't want to be your right hand man anymore, but I still want to be in the fold. You you can call upon me when you absolutely need me, but I don't want to be involved in your day to day. Okay, Akira, you're gonna have to break this tie <laughs> because I still say he has something on him, and Steve says time served. He was just a good student. Where do you fall on this? Um, or do you have your? Or do you have your the, own? Uh, time, or do you have your I'm own? I'm gonna angle? fall on the time served uh, option because <laughs> I mean, if there's something that he has on White Rose, I mean, we've seen <laughs> Elliot own the Dark Army, and so far, what is that getting him? Well, that again still remains to be seen. Mm. But um, but yeah, but I think it is probably possible that um, it is the time served and the loyalty that he can just simply just come in and do what he needs to do, and then that is it. Um, you know, and just like, and then just contribute to the cause, and he just wants to go off and write his book, and I hope he got that milkshake that he wanted from the first <laughs> episode. Um, so very true, but very yeah, true. but I mean, but but yeah, Irving. As far as that whole um, question again, going to the question of was it going to be Dom or Santiago? Um, yeah, I figured it was going to definitely going to have to be Santiago. So Santiago, you again have just made one too many messes to clean up. And also, the guy was ugh, not my favorite. I was even saying a couple of episodes back that Tyrell could have killed him, and I wouldn't have cared. Really? So, yeah. you, you just don't like watching characters like this, or you don't think he was well-written and compelling? Well, Santiago, I mean, I just don't really think... I mean, not to say that no character on this show is well-written. Well, yeah, I mean... Um, yeah, but I think, again, it's with a lot of the characters... Um, what they also what they usually always do is find a redeeming um, some sort of redemption and moments where you could where you could sympathize and empathize with them a little bit. Um, but then again, also given that everything that everything with the show is still root, um, grounded in reality, there's people out there that it doesn't really matter if what their situation is. They're just not a good person. Mm-hmm. I I've taken Santiago to be a good person who's stuck in an unwinnable situation and we've just yet to see it. That's, that's how he always came off to me since, since the reveal this season that he's been in the, in the pocket, he's been in the pocket of the dark army. We don't know what the dark army has on him, but it's something to the level of, I would imagine he probably has either. They got to him similar to how urban got to Dom this episode or it's something even deeper where he has someone in, a, in the hospital that they're What's paying the bills. Mom? It's the mom. Yeah, that the mom's, that I think it's a level of they get to the they get to him through the mom and say the mom will only be okay if we're paying our hospital bills and we're we're only going to pay our hospital bills if you play ball. Also, if you play ball, less people will die than if you don't. Mm-hmm. Not and not even less people close to you. Like I think I'm sure he's been pitched on the idea that if you play ball with us, we can minimize the casualties on things like five nine and the anarchy that will ensue and the seventy one buildings. Although he. You know what I mean? That I think he he had to have been sold. Mm-hmm. I also don't think he was sold in the way Angela was sold. I think it was genuinely just in the influence of you're in an unwinnable situation. Do the greater good. So worry about you and yours and trust us when we tell you more people will die if you don't go along. And basically that's what Dom, Dom's going to go through now. That's Yeah, that's similar to what Dom's going through right now. I think what, what, where we missed on Santiago, and I know we got to move on, it's just 
I don't know if they had enough time to make him truly a sympathetic character because you guys are right. But we knew about his mom, but I think they could have devoted a little bit more to it so that we would feel mm. that. I think we felt it in the context of now Dom's going to be the new Santiago. We're and I think maybe that, was, maybe, that was, maybe that was a narrative choice. Mm-hmm. That maybe they want us to think Santiago is just a, this faceless two-dimensional, oh, uh, they flipped him. They flipped him. He must be a bad person. Mm-hmm. So that it's more impactful when we see Dom go through this in season four. That it's like, no, no, Santiago actually, and maybe because this show is not allergic to flashbacks, that maybe we're going to get right. actual flashbacks of what Santiago had to go through. And maybe moments that we, th- like, maybe moments including that shootout in China that she, like, blamed him for, like, you sent people to die. Maybe we'll get mm-hmm. a flashback where that was the best case scenario. They wanted to blow up a whole building. They wanted to take down a whole plane. And it was like, you can, we can have a shootout in one lobby and lose 10. I think they lost 10 agents, six agents in that shootout versus they wanted to take down a whole plane or like, uh, maybe that's, maybe they go that far as to show us like, no, his job was super important. He actually saved the most amount of agents mm-hmm. from his position. The most amount did the most amount of good he could possibly do. And that's that fits the show, at least. Where do we want to go, Darlene? Yeah, I mean, I could, oh, sorry, sorry. Please. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I could see that. But also, um, since you mentioned um, how they got Angela involved, I think um, that probably um, makes a point, too, that um, everybody has a different way that they get initiated more, more so in the Dark Army. But because, um, yeah, with Angela, White Rose um, manipulated her and played on her um, played on her emotional her need for that emotional connection with her mom and that um, need for justice that she you know, that she wanted to go and just fight so hard to get against Evil Corp. And then she said, well, how, how can you bring justice to somebody like that? So, yeah, just like definitely manipulating her on that and playing that to, you know like playing it like a fiddle, mm. which I'm sure we'll discuss later on um, as we, when we get a little bit more into Angela, probably. Okay. Well, we are moving quick because <laughs> we're getting the hook actually, the, you know, the, the, our, uh, our, what is it? Our silent uh, string pullers are letting us know yes. that we're running a little short on show. Well, so then getting... we need to cover okay. all the red barn. We need to cover all the barn stuff. And then we actually have to do a quick round of predictions so we can talk about Leon and the knives and everyone's turns. Um, I'm trying to think what I've missed, just stuff that happened in the barn that we should really be co- covering. Leon turns, Irving turns. Correct. Grant is no longer with us. No. And, er, and the Dark Army is moving forward with all of these people in place, knowing that they're in place. Whereas before they were silent pawns, whereas now they're... Before they were unknowing pawns, now they're knowing pawns, essentially. And that they, like, Dom has to know that she's going to be working for the Dark Army. She's a hotshot FBI agent who's going to go far. Santiago's no longer with us. Irving is still Irving. He's still the cleaner for the Dark Army. And Elliot and Robot are together. What else are we missing? I don't know. I think that's... I think we've covered the barn portion that we can probably spend the next four minutes on predictions because we we like to do that here. We need an after-after show. It's... All right. We we talked about Fernando Vera, so we can just kind of cut that. Do we think Elliot and Mr. Robot work together? They're specifically Green Hulk. That's what they do now? That they're, we're, We've spent three seasons dealing with the strife? They're going to work together? Yes. 
I, I believe so. I believe so. We've we've closed. I don't want to say we've completely closed that chapter because I think Vera will have a big hand to play with it because he, he um, Elliot has still another vulnerability, and that was his drug addiction. Mm-hmm. And I know Vera may put, he, you know, he may be pricking at that, I think, possibly. And he's an experienced pusher. Yeah. Like, with any good pusher, the first one's free. Mm-hmm. And he's already at his doorstep and might already have the goods. And remember, he's the one that got Elliot when he had, you know, the whole time Elliot didn't know that Shayla was in the trunk of the car. Mm-hmm. So he got I, played. I do think Fernando's the perfect person to bring up moving forward with Elliot. Yeah. Elliot does need someone to prod that bear because as of this moment, it seems to be... Good. Yeah, so, Akira, any, any predictions you see coming forth in season four? <sighs> yeah, um, nothing off the top of my head just yet. I mean, I always feel that with Mr. Robot, as, you, um, as it was being said earlier, I'm kind of more so on the character side and analyzing these characters, getting to know them and wondering what's going to happen with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, as far as that, in terms of predictions, um, you know, Price telling uh, Angela that, you know, the best thing that you need to do right now is just to find peace with what you did. Knowing Angela, she's always at that quest for justice, so I don't think that she's going to take this sitting down. Um, So it would be interesting to see if she tries to go against White Rose, but also at the same time um, have that battle between herself because she still wants to genuinely believe in it. So I'm curious to see how that's going to happen, but I think the the vengeance side of her is going to probably win this one out. I could buy that. Um, final prediction? Anything? Okay. My final prediction is that what Price said about everything White Rose has said to be a complete fantasy, a complete farce. I'm not saying we're going to find out whether White Rose's plan is interdimensional travel or Mandela affecting or uh, just Bitcoin mine, like large scale Bitcoin mining. I am saying that for Price to dismiss it, we're going to see more proof in season four that will refute the claim that it's all just a farce that there's going to be more bread com- breadcrumbs left for us that I don't know, maybe, maybe white Rose can control time and space may in a nuclear power plant and Washington township and the Congo where you can get the minerals and a hydron collider all play into some weird thing where white Rose is either trying to control our minds into thinking that she can control time or she can actually can, can control time. I'm still on that boat. All right. I think that's a good place to leave it for the year before I put on my tinfoil hat. And and by saying that, fans, let us know what you think will happen in season four. And with that said, we ought, we got to talk to Akira. Akira, where where can we all follow you again? Um. So again, I'm on Twitter at hellofriend h three l l zero f r i three n d one. And thank you so much. Yes, I know it's please. late thank out you. there. Yes. I mean, thank you so much for giving us your time. And this show couldn't be done without our chat roll. All the guys Ooh. that were with us all season, guys, you know who you are. Make sure to... Steam, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me right here, right now, in this universe. They can also find me on Twitter, at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. You can also go to thesoberyear.com. That's a blog I do about sobriety. And also, a big shout-out to Leslie. We couldn't have done it without you, girl. Hopefully, we'll see you next season. And follow me at TV on Instagram and Twitter. And i also got a big possible nationwide tour coming up. So go to my Twitter and find out later. Uh, For everyone, thank you all so much for joining us. This is probably my last after show of this calendar year. So that's going to be fun. Thank you, and goodbye, friend. Bye, Kira. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. 
To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.